For much of written history, world events followed charted routes. Oracles and seers mapped out the future in the stars above, and their prophecies always gave a reliable view of the ages to come. Until a god died a century ago. No one saw that coming, and now the old prophecies are failing. Oracles go mad, and seers desperately try to account for the loss of the future. While some cry out that the world is at an end, they've been doing so for a hundred years now, and the world is still here. It's just unclear where things are going. The future of Galarian is open, ready to receive the triumphs and failures of a new generation of heroes. Welcome to Rise of the Rune Lords. Finwarren and Deadeye, you are both getting ready to leave town. Uh, You've been asked to go visit Habe Sanitarium, just a couple miles outside of town, to go pick up a package and bring it back. And this is completely without danger or anything, right? Just pick up and go. (laughs) Yeah, of course. This is a package. What could go wrong? Nothing. Good question. Did the guy tell us his name? Oh, the guy that sent you on this little trip? Yeah, the guy that hired us. Did he say what his name was? Yeah, it's Jerbriel Biaski. Oh, okay. Just making sure we got it before I left. Yeah. Jubal. Vishki. So, Jerbal, Jubrael, I am not going to be able to pronounce his name. Mr. Vishki. (laughs) How about that? He has sent you on this mission. You have no idea what what it's about, where you're going, really. As you're heading out of town, would you, like... I'm suddenly trying to tell you, do you want to, like, gather some information about it so you know what you're getting into or where you're headed? Or are you just going to head down the road? What do you think, did I? Should we uh, head out or see if anyone else knows about this? We might should ask if anybody knows anything about this place. Yeah. Oh, but they're all down to the red. What do you think? Should we go to the hagfish and see if the bartender knows anything? We could try there first. That guy's that guy's using it a lot. Yeah, let's try that. Alright, so you head over to the hagfish. You you walk in and Yargi greets you. Hey hey boys. How can I help you? You here for, for lunch grub? Oh, uh, not at the moment, no. I was uh, was wondering if you knew anything about the sanitarium uh, a couple of miles out of town. Oh, yeah. It's, it's run by a guy named Aaron Habe, uh, expert on disease and mental derangement, supposedly. Some sort of hidey-tidy doctor from Magnamar. Came out here a few years ago, spent his own fortune to set up this place. Said something about that he hoped to find privacy to continue his research in how to cure various dementias without worrying folk. Do you know anything about this doctor? Nah, no, other than he came up here a few years back, built that place out there. He keeps to himself mostly. Uh, about uh, once a week or so, he sends a card in to get supplies, foods, ration, that sort of thing. and then Okay. Is there anything we should be uh, careful of around the sanitarium? Any creatures or anything? Pretty dangerous, already. 
Uh, any, any creatures out that way? Well, sure, there's all sorts of creatures out in the hinterlands. But you're not going too far, and you'll be pretty close to the farms. and That sort of stuff keeps most of the wildness out, so you shouldn't be too bad. Maybe a goblin or two, goblin dog. <laughs> Sandpoint devil if you're really unlucky. <laughs> I, ooh. You're not laughing. That, that was a joke, lads. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a good oh, joke. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to run into that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it's, true. It's, right, right it's, that it existed. Yeah. Definitely oh, not. Of course, yes. So I think that. Oh, that's all you need. Pleasure to be of service to you. Yeah, just focus information, that's all. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, that helps. I guess we should head out, then. Yeah, I think we should head out. If it's like the right time. I mean, it shouldn't be that big a deal. Right? No problem. It's other road, like... Yeah, it'll be fine. You make your way down Water Street towards the market and then pass there down Market Street, cross the old Sandpoint Bridge, and on to the Lost Coast Road. All right. Tori and Marana, when we last left you, you were doing what exactly? Uh, Marana was still having tea. I was meditating in the attic room, and Marcus had just left. So what I'm hearing is, not much is going on, and I should switch scenes again. Probably not. I can't think of anything I'd be doing. All right. Unless the ghosty-wosty decides to say hello. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Enjoy your meditation and tea. Marcus... Uh, you've worked your way up towards the north coast, and you're looking out over the water on the cliff edge on the north end of town. What are you doing? Okay, Marcus came up here with a goal in mind. He's basically looking for a place where there's a reasonable breeze, so on top of the cliff. Okay. And when he finds a spot that suits his liking, he's going to address one of the pockets in his large coat. Hey, uh, I'm going to need you to wait for this. Come on. Come out. Yes, I know. you comfy. Come on. And with that, he encourages his little pet to, to get out and, and join him. And then he is going to cast a spell. He goes through the, the words and motions, essentially calling out to the wind and hopefully seeing if it will respond. Okay. As you cast this spell, it, immediately you're inundated with sights and smells in the, the roar of a crowd, getting snippets of conversations here and there, scenes flash by your face as if you're watching them all, but they're all speeding by too fast to really identify anything going on. Mm-hmm. He's going to try and focus and pick out a couple of different things. If I can find something. 
Okay, the, the first thing he's going to try and, and pick out is any sort of mentions or anybody talking about anything to do with, with hauntings in town. Okay. Uh, as, as the scene flies by and you focus your mind in on on this one topic, suddenly you get the the vision of a a uh, small child playing in an alley with with a very dusty doll talking to no one you you first think they're talking to the doll but they're not looking at the doll when they're talking okay the, the conversation the child is having is about what game to play Mechanically, do I need to roll to pick up more details? Uh, yes, you need to make a diplomacy check. Or a perception, because that's explicitly allowed by the spell. Correct. Yeah, I'll go with perception. All right. As you focus in more in trying to pick up the details of what's going on, give me a... Concentration check. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. You're almost brought back to your own senses and awareness as some of the sea spray splashes up into your face. But you manage to hold on to your concentration on the spell. And you see... For a split second, another child with the child that's holding the doll. But as quickly as you notice their presence, they're gone again. Okay. And that's interesting. For the second thing you wanted to research... He wanted to find out if anyone in town was a student of alchemy at all. All right. I, either a crafter or an actual outright alchemist, or anybody who's known for dealing with those sorts of things. Your mind focuses in on this, and quickly you receive flashes of sights and sounds of descriptions of Pillbug. These sights and sounds are telling you his name is Pillbug. And he runs and owns, operates Pillbug's Pantry, which is the local apothecary shop. Go ahead and give me a perception check. Since you're not doing diplomacy. All right. Just as you're about to end your spell because you believe you have the information you want, a sudden flash of information comes by a rumor about him that someone's heard that he sells poisons and is into some sort of nefarious dealings. Okay. Okay, interesting. And that's all for your spell, correct? Yeah, that, after that, the duration expires. Was that enough to actually get me directions to his shop? Yes. Right, okay. Yeah, Marcus will 
let his little friend go back to the the comfort of the coat and start making his way towards the pantry. All right. Quick check in with Tori and or Marana. Either of you feel like doing anything at the moment or continuing with your meditation and tea? Absolutely continuing to meditate. All right. I'm still considering what I could do next. Okay. Van Warren and Deadeye. You're starting down the road. The city, well, town, let's be honest, is still within view. When you hear shrill barking. Great. Great. Don't worry, it's going to be fun. Perception check. All right. It seems to be coming from the town somewhere behind you. Do you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Is that coming towards us? It's coming from behind us. Good, always going closer. Uh, it doesn't seem to be, no. Let's just be someone's dog. Yeah, should we just keep going forward and ignore that? Yeah. Let's keep moving. I'll keep an eye out. All right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we keep moving. We'll keep walking. Okay. You walk down the road across the other creek, Boggy Creek, close to the mountains. And within a few paces, you can see the pyre within sight. This ancient Varigian site used to be used for a lot of local rituals and customs, including, in the past, the yearly Swallowtail Festival. But it looks like the pyre hasn't been used in several decades. No, that's kind of interesting. Should we uh, take a closer look? How far away is it? Several hundred feet. You can just make it out on the cliff edge right by the sea. Is there like a road to it? A, a worn footpath that's a little overgrown now. If you want to go look, we've got time. Yeah, it looked kind of interesting, so maybe we should take a little closer look. Up to you, all. If you want to go look at it, I'll go. So we'll walk over towards it. Yep. Get a closer look. All right. As you approach, it's just this really old bonfire site that has crude benches carved from old trees set on stumped-like log cuts. It looks like it used to be a big festival spot, but it's completely overgrown and disused now. The spot where the pyre actually took place, the, the big bonfire, it's still scorched and nothing's grown back there. But it, it's hard to tell how long it's been disused. If you want to know that, give me a knowledge nature. Otherwise, there's nothing really of any interest okay. here. Um, I'll find out just for just for fun. All right, both of you are looking at the plants around and the growth, and you, you can't really tell how long it's been disused. It, it could be mere months. It could be centuries. You're not seeing anything that stands out with any age determination for you. 
I wonder why they stopped using it. You continue your way south along Cougar Creek and make your way across the uh, area known as the Ashen Moor. The three moors that stretch through most of the hinterlands consist of poor quality soil and stony ground. The northernmost is the Ashen Moor. It's a stretch of low-lying land that slopes gradually to the west towards Hag's Plummet. On the far side of Brine Stump Marsh from Ashen Moor lies the Bleak Low Moor, a higher altitude swath of land said to be infested by ghouls below its barren expanse. The Whisperwood Moor, the largest of the three, lies to the southeast and is often shrouded in a fog well late into the day. Goblin dogs, wolves, wargs, and worse have been said to hunt here, often coming north to prey on the livestock of the outlying farmlands. You heard as much from the uh, proprietor. Well, yeah. Yargi. I blanked on his name. You heard as much from Yargi. So you keep heading down through the Ashen Moor, crossing Cougar Creek again, and arrive just outside of Habe's Sanatorium. There's a sign above the entryway that reads, The Saintly Haven of Respite. This location, better known locally as Habe Sanitarium, is run by Aaron Habe. What is the uh, exterior of the building look like? It's a two, maybe three story. It's hard to tell. There, there's dormers in the roofs like there is a third story, but it could just be an attic. But it's at least two story building. Decent size, almost the same size as the town hall back in Sandpoint. This guy must have had some money. Yeah, it looks pretty cozy for what it is. This couldn't have been cheap. Well, I guess we should try and get this package or whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll knock on the door. After a few moments, the door opens, and this man opens the door. Aaron Habe. Uh, yes? How can I help you? Oh, hello. Yes, uh, my name's Finn Warren, uh, and this is Deadeye. Which one of you will be admitted today? Oh, uh, none of us. Uh, It's not that kind of thing. Sorry. Oh, making arrangements for a loved one, I understand. No, no, we we were sent here for an assignment from Sandpoint. Uh, Oh? What assignment? Yes, a... a, uh, Jibrail sent us to uh, retrieve a package. Oh. Oh, yes, come in. Please, follow me. Well, thank you. He takes you into the entryway, into a side, like, coat room, where there's a large trunk. He gestures at the trunk. Uh, This is the package that he requires. What is a large? How big? It's about four and a half feet long, two and a half feet tall, and about as wide as it is tall. So as big as me. Cool. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And how heavy is it? Are you both trying to lift it up or just one of you? I mean, I can try. Are you strong, Did I? I'm not very strong. Uh, not, not really. <laughs> 
if worse comes to worse, we will have to carry both of us. Yes, perhaps if you work together, it will be easier on your backs. I guess I'll try to help. Okay, yeah. All right. One of you will be the main for a strength check, and the other will be attempting to aid another, which will give a plus two bonus. Who who feels more confident? I, I don't feel very confident. I, I guess I could try and be the main then and see how it goes. Yeah, we'll give it a try. Okay, so I'll just roll that one then. Yeah, uh, just roll a strength check. Oh, all right. Natural twenty. Uh, <laughs> Dead eye. Go ahead and roll strength as well to assist. Oh, this is gonna be good. Ted. All right, you succeed in assisting. So you're carrying your load of the weight, but Finn Warren seems to be having no problem with this chest whatsoever. Uh, Dead eye, you're struggling a bit. This is a lot heavier than you were thinking it was going to be. Yeah, he did say package. I assumed small package. Yeah, me too. <laughs> this is big. All right. Well, I think we've got this. Oh, thank you. Uh, have a safe trip back. Yes, thank you. Should we tell Jibrael something when we return? Do you have a message for him? Oh, no. Just, just deliver the package. Uh, well, maybe. I've not heard from my contact that this is being delivered to in, oh, several weeks now. Have him send me word back when he makes the delivery of the package on if everything is still okay. I see. We could do that. May I ask who the name of the, the contact is? No, you may not. <laughs> Can I try and persuade him or something? Uh, that would be a diplomacy check. Good luck with that. You know, why not try it? Yeah. This is going to be bad. Okay, maybe not. All right. Uh, make your argument. We'll see what he says. Yeah, I understand your uh, your uh, reticence in this. I just I just wanted to know the contact in case there was something else we needed to maybe pick up. Maybe this wasn't the only trip we were making, so it would help us as well. We could use, definitely use the coin, that's for sure. Is that good enough? Uh, you don't need to know who it is, but if if Mr. If Mr. Vishki needs more information... Uh, just tell him the current habitat, habitant, inhabitant, oh, yes, inhabitant of Gruber's Hermitage. Maybe he might know more. Okay. I see. Okay. And the gentleman enjoys his privacy, so it it's not my place to give his name. I understand. Yes. Th- thank you for understanding. You, you may go. And he waves his hand yeah, as you would. feebly yeah, yeah. for you to leave. <laughs> shoo, shoo. <laughs> shoo. All right, we'll be going. Uh, yeah, we get going and we head back to Sandpoint. 
same road Very back. Slowly. Yeah. Okay. Marcus, you have entered Pillbug's pantry. Mm-hmm. Nestled at the base of a cliff and tucked between several old tenements, nothing but a painting of a pillbug perched on a mushroom indicates this building is anything more than yet another home. The proprietor of the establishment is a short, rotund man named Oliver Pillbug Potiker. He is an accomplished herbalist, gardener, and, you suspect, more. He appears to be of mixed chelish and Varisian blood. Okay. As you enter the store. Oh, oh, hey, welcome. Ah, has, uh, what can I help you with today? Well, as you might know, I'm not exactly a local here. The, the festival has drawn many people, it seems. Um, word about town is that you deal in alchemical supplies and the like. Sediment. I see. And I take it you're all prepped for the festival tomorrow as well. Right. But of course. We're going to release all those butterflies and it'll be fantastic. And you prepared for the aftermath of the festival? What? Cleaning? That, that, that That's not my job. Ah. Gro- Grovey will take care of all the cleanup. Grovey and his boys. No, I was thinking more like this is the aftermath of, or will be the aftermath of a giant party. And there are plenty of strangers and adventurers in town. Yep, yep, yep. Do you really not understand what I'm driving at? No, I don't think I do. You're not being very direct about it. Hangover cures? Oh, you need some alchemist kindness, do you? I was inquiring if you had sufficient supply. Well, I can whip some up, no problem. Do you need them now? No, I was... Have you started the party No, early? no, no. I was wondering if you might need somebody else to help you make them. Oh. Oh. Well, he does some quick math on his fingers as he's thinking. How much would you charge for your services in assisting me in producing some wares? Well, that would depend entirely on how long you needed the assistance for, would it not? Well, true, true. What what time is the festival due to start? Oh, they'll probably be gathering soon after breakfast, I think. Festivities will probably get underway right around noon or thereabouts, maybe a little earlier. Okay. And it's we've spent half the day, so maybe ah, split over the two days, a total of eight hours' work? A, a full day's wages? Well. I... I could work for you directly, or I could produce the kindness for you to sell. Your choice. Huh. Uh, I'm fine with that. Either? Uh, your choice. How much would you be buying the kindness for? Uh, I wouldn't be buying them at all. I'd be supplying you with the ingredients to make it, 
and then you would be supplying me the finished product. So there would be no money exchanged there. You've proposed just your services to be paid for. No? Ah, right. Um, yes, I was... <laughs> If you need the workbench as well, please use mine. Oh, I have some tools available. Oh, a traveling kit. Nice. What's the quality on that? Not brilliant, but it's what I work with most of the time. You have something better? Well, I have a full set, yes. A full permanent installation, not, not one of those shoddy traveling kits. Okay... That changes things. Mechanically, you would be getting a plus two bonus to your craft alchemy check. Yeah. Are we going with the downtime rule calculation for how much skilled work is? The skilled work typically goes for three silver a day. Yes, yeah, so a full day's wages for skilled alchemist. And I'll probably be able to produce... With your lab, probably definitely eight, maybe nine. Oh, wonderful. I assume you have sufficient parts available, components and the like? Oh, of course, yes. I have all the ingredients. Excellent. The vials and the the, the raw ingredients, everything you need. You'll just be my hands for today and it'll be... It'll... Excellent. Much worth it. How late do you mind me working? I don't understand. Uh, the The store will close around nine. Do you think you need more time? Oh, I was just thinking, what time are you planning on opening tomorrow? Oh, I wasn't planning on opening at all tomorrow. Well, we've wasted half the day. If I'm going to spend a full day's worth of work, obviously I'll need to come back tomorrow or fit it in today but I had another errand I wanted to run before I started working hence my question he, he nods his jowls shake as he nods he, he seems to be lost in thought about something else sounds sounds good sounds good yeah, that'll, be, that'll be great okay then I shall be back shortly I'm sure it will be a pleasure working with you. Oh, I, I look forward to it. Thank you. With that, he'll wave and wander out of the shop. Okay. Finwarren and Deadeye, you are returning on your way back. Behind you is the Ashen Rise, which was right behind the sanitarium. So it was up against the mountain? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the Ashen Rise, which is a smaller of two limestone escarpments in the area. The so-called Ashen Rise, unlike Devil's Platter, its larger, similar plateau, uh, Ashen Rise is relatively safe. The only peril that explorers have reported to face around this area are flocks of sturges or uncommonly aggressive ravens and crows. Whoa, it's great. Mm -hmm. So I guess we'll... Still, still, only making your way back. All right. Taking the same route, or are you going to explore a little? 
I'm, th- I'm thinking since we're carrying this thing, we just head straight back the way we came. Yeah, same way we came. All right. As you're making your way across that river, Cougar Creek, it's not quite a river, <laughs> the cargo in the trunk shifts. Go ahead and give me a, another strength check to not drop this. Okay. Oh, God, be good. Oh, oof. Wow. <laughs> All right. Deadeye, you managed to maintain your grip as Finwarren stumbles a bit from the shifting and, and loses his grip on the trunk. When, when it hits the ground, you hear a slide and a thud inside. Should we put it down and see what it is? I mean, just listen for it. I don't think I'm employable to appreciate that. No, I, I don't think we should open it. Maybe just listen for what that was. It, it felt like it moved. I'm going to tap on it and see if I hear anything. All right. Uh, give me a perception check. Let's see here. 25. 25. You, you tap on the chest, and you can't quite make out what's in there. Nothing moves or responds to the tap at okay. all. But it, it sounds like it's some large object in the chest. Some heavy thing. Yeah. Lots of cloth or something, maybe, because it, it doesn't reverberate or echo. Right. So the chest is pretty full, whatever it is. And the the resounding sound is kind of muffled, which makes it seem like there's cloth or some other soft material that's absorbing the sound. All right. Well, you try to be more careful. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll try and get a firmer grip on it. Okay, so we try and pick it up and keep walking then. Yeah, keep going. Okay, as you guys pick it up, go ahead and both of you give me a perception check. 16. Ah. Oh. <laughs> All right. And neither of you really notice anything out of the ordinary. Great. You continue on your way back towards Sandpoint. Mm-hmm. Back across Cougar Creek and up by the pyre, rounding by the Raven Roost. The Raven Roost is a ragged range of broken hills, decorated here and there with isolated crops of eucalyptus, pepperwood, and pine. Not a lot lives in this region, apart from relatively harmless wild animals. You know, your, your deer, your elk, rabbits, occasional boar, that sort of thing. You make it back to Sandpoint with no problem. I guess we'll head to the, uh, I assume the hog is, what it's called. Yeah, uh, Mr. Whiskus. When we found the guy, that place. The fat man's feed bag? Yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right. That is number 42. Yes, 42. Well, let's just set this outside. You stay here with it. I'll go see if our, uh, hopefully our benefactors in here. Okay, yeah. We set it down, and I stand guard by it. 
you do. Sitting at the same table, same position. Vishki is talking with some other people and looks up as you enter. And, oh, hey, come here. And waves you over. Yeah, I'll walk over to him. So, you uh, got the package? I did. It's sitting right outside with uh, said wine. You could have mentioned its size. Uh, I guess I could have. Yeah, they're one of the nice, because, you know, it's just like as big as me, so it was a bit tricky to get back. But we made it back. Yeah, and that's the important thing, right? You made it back. Right. He looks at the people sitting at the other sides of him, nods. They get up and go outside. And he reaches in his pockets and pulls out five silver and hands him over to you. Thanks for your service. Let me know if you ever want to do any other work for me. Hold up. I believe we agreed on seven. I believe it was five. I think you are mistaken. This is mostly split between me and my compatriot, so... Yeah, yeah, a day's wages for you and a half a day's wages for him. I was nice and rounded up. I'm very sure we agreed to seven. Go ahead and give me a diplomacy check. Oh, boy. It's really good. Eighteen. Do you know what? I like you. And you you did bring me that ca- You didn't look in it, or did you? Nope. It's completely untouched. All right. He pulls out two more coins and puts them in your hand. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh-huh. I'll walk it back out. All right. As you walk out, Finn Warren, the two gentlemen have come, and they've grabbed the the chest just as Deadeye is walking out. I walk over to Finn. Well, I managed to get what we agreed with, so it took a bit for niggling. I got managed to get seven somewhere. They pick up the chest and take it out to the docks. Okay. Loaded up onto a small ship. So, uh, you know, since I would not have been able to carry this without you, I'll give you a bigger half. I'll give you four. No, it's okay, Dada. You, you take the four, I'll take the three. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Then I'll give you... Oh, I do with three guys over. Go ahead and give me perception checks, both of you. 28. All right. Uh, Finn Warren, you, you notice where the trunk was setting when they picked it up. There, there's a bit of wetness on the dirt where it was, it, just on like one corner. M- maybe when you dropped it, you, you broke the case a little bit, maybe? Mm-hmm. Something might have leaked out. Deadeye, you, you notice the same thing, but you also notice a couple spots on your pant legs. And on Finn Warren's pant legs. Of the same stain. What is this? Oh, what does it look like and what does it smell like? Uh, perception. Okay. Uh. It, it's a dark, viscous fluid. Uh, it smells a bit like copper. 
Oh. Oh. Well, I think I know what that was. Is it kind of like ink or something? Is it easily, does it easily come off? Do you, like, lick your thumb and try to wash it off and then... Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> Just do the lick test, basically. I will lick my thumb, too. All right, you lick your thumb and try to smear it around. It does not come out easily. You think you're working the stain deeper into the fibers. When you go to lick your thumb again, you get a really intense metallic taste. Oh. Hey, uh, yeah, Fed. I think that might be blood. What type of creature has this dark, vicious... As it, as it smells horrible, too. Make a heel check. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Today's crit fail. Ooh. Ooh. Where's that one today? Did I? Are you going to attempt a heal check? I'm going to try and see. I mean, sixteen. All right. Yeah, you don't need to be trained for this. Deadeye, you are 100% convinced that's blood. Oh, yeah. I thought so. Specifically, blood of somebody that has died recently. It's become that thick, coagulated... Yeah, this is definitely blood of a recently departed. So we were transporting a dead body... All this way. It would seem. You know, I almost wish I didn't know. Give me an intelligence check, both of you. Okay. Uh, these rolls, oh my god. Really? <laughs> Luckily, you don't need a high check for this. Okay. It instantly dawns on both of you. The body was not in a coffin, it was in a trunk. You did not take it to the chapel where the graveyard is for proper burial or disposal. They've taken it and put it onto a boat and are currently, as you look up to see where they are, they are rowing out of the harbor. If anybody asks, I don't know that man in there. I hope it wasn't someone important we just transported over here. Yeah, that's a little Just a little bit, yeah. I don't think that was worth seven somewhere. Shall we maybe get out of these stained clothes now? Yeah. Are you staying somewhere in town? Yeah, I guess I could go back to the White Deer Inn if you want to go there too. Oh, there are, is there rooms available there? There were when, when I was there last. Hopefully they have uh, vacancies now, too. All right. So I'll bleed on. Okay. Well, I'll take point and uh, walk over to White Deer Inn. All right. Marcus. Yes. You had a errand you wanted to do before you started crafting alchemical remedies. Yes. I am going to be wondering back to the madame's house you head down raven street and down festival street yeah pretty much all right 
you, you knock and Koya lets you in. Oh, well, welcome back. Do, do you have more business? Thank you. I actually have a, I suppose you might say a message for one of the guests staying here. Tori. Oh, her. She just gestures towards the staircase that goes up to the attic. Be my guest. Thank you. But please don't stay too long. Oh, I don't plan to. Would it be all right if I also mention something to the madame? Or is she occupied? Uh, She's with someone right now, but... Uh, they seem to not be doing anything but sipping tea for now. So perhaps your company will be welcomed? Thank you. She does a half bow and goes back into the kitchen. He pauses for a moment and then walks the room with Madame. Sipping her tea, she looks up. Oh, you're back. Yes, Are you interested in knowing more about your unusual guest in the attic? No. Wait, which one do you mean? Nope, don't tell me. Either way, I don't care. Fair enough. Thank you for your time. And he'll nod to Marana as well and walk out. She gives a pleasant smile. Readdresses you, Marana. Ah, where were we? No, wait, wait, wait. Uh, un- unusual guess that... Huh? If you're interested, go. It, it's not any concern of mine. Marana just kind of raises an eyebrow and says, I'll be right back. And... Good luck! <laughs> Alright, uh, Marana, you follow Marcus up the stairs. Yes. Okay. At the top of the stairs, the door is closed. Marcus will knock on the door. Alright. Tari? Nobody comes to the door. Uh, it's just a knock. Yeah, no, I don't go to the door. Okay. Do you give any response or indication that you heard the knock? Nope. Then there'll be a second one louder. No response. Okay, at this point, Marcus is going to actually open the door and stick his head into the room with a slightly concerned look on his face. Yeah, she's just staring at the door from where she's sitting at the end of the bed. Do you have a moment? Yes. Would you care to join me outside this room? She's just going to shrug, stand up and walk out with you. I'm assuming as he turns around to to look at the stairs, that's when he notices Marana. Oh, you decided to join us then? I heard there were strange things and that interests me. Ah, okay. 
how much room is there up here outside the attic room itself? It's just a hallway staircase. It, not even like a landing, really, before the door. Is there a landing on one of the lower levels? Yes. The second story has a landing. Marcus will lead everybody down there, assuming they follow. Yeah, follow. Yep. Okay, so the guest in the attic apparently likes playing with some of the children in the area as well. Guest in the attic? I kind of looks towery, like... Huh? She looks at you equally as confused. The haunted spirit or whatever it is? The ghost child. Yes, it likes to play with some of the living children in town as well. Or at least that's the impression I get. And? If you're wanting to find out more about it, that gives an avenue for people to talk to, investigations and the like. You're hardly suggesting we talk to the local children. Perhaps an adult that's meant to supervise them. But the children might actually know more, since... As near as I can tell, at least one of them has actually been playing with it. And this madam, she still knows nothing? No, and apparently doesn't care to. I sensed as much. And who is this ghost hunter you've recruited? Oh, I haven't recruited. I wasn't recruited. I followed of my own accord because... Strange occurrences can be interesting. It's a sort of pet, then. She's smirking. I am no one's pet. The sooner you learn that, the better we'll get along. Yeah. She reaches out her hand to shake yours. Morana kind of looks at it for a minute and then reaches out to take it. It says, Marana Mallory. Positively charmed. Terry Warborn. Uh, and offhand, was it Marcus that she ran into at the Rusty Dragon back in session one? Yes. She looks down for stasis. We've talked before. We have, yes. And then you quickly walked away. Hmm. She looks back to Tauri. <laughs> Was there anything pressing that needed dealing with? All I heard was talk of local legends. No, I... Which everybody seemed to be certain were nothing but legends and myth. There were more topics of conversation that came up, but... It's all right. Yes, um, I was also preoccupied with finding somewhere to sleep, so... None of these notices involved a uh, ghost child, any chance? No, they were all about the, the Sandpoint Devil. Oh, yes, of course. They weren't all. That was just the one that went up in flames. Oh, she said notices, right? I thought she meant topics conversation. I'm sorry. 
Oh, we're all talking across purposes. Out of character, I actually misunderstood it. So, are we interested in finding out more about this spirit? Perhaps after the festival? I mean, I am fully intrigued now. Absolutely. The old bag mentioned a uh, some fellow who knows things about hauntings and such. Does anyone remember whom? Yes, the priest at the temple who's rather occupied until after the festival. Yes, well, he'll be rather occupied when we arrive there, I should think. I believe it was a suggestion that we not bother him until the festival is done, because he's going to be leading it. Yes, well. And she continues to walk out the door, basically, past everybody. Off to see the priest. Oh, dear. Or on a shrugs, it's just, eh, well, this'll work. And follows her. Yeah, we might as well. Do I actually even know where this priest is? I'm kind of assuming the new temple is rather obvious, considering it's the focal point of the festival and brand new large building. Yeah, it is number one on the map. And he'll be there, yeah? Yes. I will, I'll fight Trot. With two others in tow, apparently. It would seem so. All right. As you get to the square, just outside the chapel, you run into Finwarin and Deadeye, which a few of you are acquainted with. They seem to be heading north along Church Street. Or just about to. Oh, there you are, Tauri. She just gruffly grunts at you and nods. Did you think we occupied? I don't believe we met before. I'm I'm Fen Warren. You could call me Fen. Everyone else does. Oh, yeah, she walks straight past you. <laughs> She's a rather determined one. Yes, I just look concerned over her, over to her when and she parks away. You'll apparently have to excuse her. Some people, they have to focus on one thing at a time or they forget what they're doing. I'm not quite sure what it is. She looks at the doll. We've seen it happen a lot, haven't we? Yes. One track minds. Yes. I understand, yes. And it's nice to see you as well. I'm Fenwarin. And you are? Morana Mallory. Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Well, did I? Yes. I believe I saw you at the eggfish. Oh, right. The not, yes, yes, those those idiots, right. Oh, yes, you uh, made quite the show of those three. I wouldn't call it a show. Well, no, I suppose you could call it a show. It's just something. There was more there, Ed, but... Yes. So has everybody met everybody at this point? I think so. Well, I haven't met Fenwarren yet, technically. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't been introduced, you've met him. just randomly walked up to me and was like, hi, how's it going? I'm like, who the fuck are you? I'm busy. You're so rude, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking stranger just says, hi, here's my first name, my middle name, and my PPS number, what's up? Yeah, I'm, to- I'm totally crazy. And the- <laughs> he was walking with me, though. He was walking with someone you know. And then there's the subtle shade as she just keeps walking. 
don't know, she's perfectly friendly. And you just kind of see her like a sort of Doc Brown, just totally in his own world, you know, and towery too. Oh, okay. Most of the buildings in Sandpoint are made of wood with stone foundations and wood shingle roofs. The majority are single-story structures, with a few noted exceptions. The town is often thought of as two districts by the locals. Uptown consists of the buildings of number 1 through 12. Most of these buildings are relatively new, and the streets are open and less crowded. The section of town is also physically above the rest, situated on a level bluff overlooking the downtown, which consists of area 13 through 36. The majority of the town's buildings can be found downtown, which grows increasingly crowded as available space is claimed by new arrivals. Downtown is built on a gentle slope that runs from the height of about 60 feet above sea level to the west, down to only a few feet above sea level at the waterline to the east and south. Sandpoint Harbor is a modest-sized natural harbor 30 feet deep, most of its expanse sharply rising slopes near the shore. The languid waters of the Turnduck River wind down from the hinterlands, skidding devil's platter to empty into the harbor. The river is often used to transport lumber harvested far upriver down to the local sawmill. South of the town rises another bluff on which Sandpoint's most affluent landowners have staked their claims. Only a few hundred feet north of town rises an upthrust spur of rocky land topped with a few trees. The tidal island is known as Chopper's Isle and was once the home of Sandpoint's most notorious criminal. The remote outcropping is accessible only by flight or by a skilled climber. Locals now believe the isle to be haunted by Chopper's ghost. Children often dare each other to go out to the isle's base at low tide and touch the barren cliff face that surrounds it. But no one's visited the top in years. The site that proves most striking to visitors of Sandpoint at first is the ruins of the old light. The original height of its tower is unknown, but those who have studied the ancient architecture of the crumbling remains estimate that it might have stood more than 700 feet tall. Today, less than a quarter of that remains. The old light rises from sea level and is built into the face of a 120-foot tall cliff, with the tower extending another 50 feet above that level culminating in ragged ruins. The remaining shell is yet another reminder that neither the Chalaxians nor the Varesians are the first settlers of this land, yet apart from a few badly weathered carvings signifying that the peak of this tower once held a brilliant light, no insight into the tower's true purpose remains. Easily the largest building in Sandpoint, this impressive cathedral that you are in front of is also the town's newest structure built over the foundations of the previous chapel. Sandpoint Cathedral is not dedicated to the worship of a single deity. Rather, it gathers under its eaves the six most commonly worshipped deities in the region. Abadar, Desna, Arastal, Gozra, Serenre, and Shailin. The building proves chapels for all. In a way, Sandpoint Cathedral is six different churches under one very impressive roof. Yet even the previous chapel wasn't the first holy site in this location. The core of the original chapel and the new cathedral is an open-air courtyard surrounding a set of seven standing stones, which themselves surround a circular stone altar. These stones have served Varegians for centuries as a place of worship. 
although they have been most commonly used to venerate Desna and various imperial lords, the stones themselves have such an ancient tradition, it is unknown to anyone alive today what they actually once represented. Varisian oral tradition maintains that the seven stones represent the seven towers of Desna's otherworldly palace. But this is merely a story perpetuated. Nailed it. There's the word. Story perpetuated by early Varisian seers, eager to hide possibly yet another bit of their homelands' destructive history. The original chapel built here was a collection of six different shrines, each its own building and connected to the others by open-air walkways. Desna's worship was incorporated into these shrines as part of the peace accord with the local Varisians. But the original builders included five other deities as well. Four of these, Abadar, Gozra, Sarenrae, and Shailin, were patrons of the original founders of the Sandpoint Merchantile Consortium, while the fifth, Arastal, was the most popular among the initial settlers. When that chapel burnt to the ground several years ago, Mayor Devlin set into motion a bold initiative. Not only would the chapel be rebuilt, but it would be rebuilt on a grand scale. A cathedral would be constructed in place of the chapel, and it would be made of stone and glass, Funding for this project came primarily from the founding families, particularly from the Sandpoint businesses eager to earn favor in the eyes of the gods, and particularly from their respective churches. It took years to finish the cathedral, but in the end, the results are truly impressive. To the south, facing Sandpoint's heart, are the shrines of civilization, Arastal and Abadar. To the west, Offering a view of the old light and the sea beyond are the shrines of Shailin and Gozra. To the east, offering a view of the Sandpoint Boneyard and the Rising Sun, are the shrines of Serenre and Desna. The previous chapel hosted fewer than a dozen acolytes led by well-loved cleric named Ezekrian Tobian, who sadly perished in the fire that claimed the church. The new high priest of Sandpoint is his most accomplished student, a pleasant man named Astalazar Xantus, himself a worshiper of Desna. Father Xantus is very open about matters of faith and has slipped into the role of advisor for worship of the other gods here within Sandpoint as well. Sandpoint collectively refers to these six gods that they revere as the Sandpoint Pantheon. Many of the residents revere all of them, while a few have selected one specific god to revere above the others. As you enter, there are a few acolytes running around, tidying things up, and getting things ready for the festivities tomorrow. Father Xantus appears to be directing them almost like a manager or some sort of boss at a construction site, almost. Has everyone followed me in yet? Marcus would have. Yeah, and Warren would also do that. Uh, tentatively, but yeah. If everybody's going there, like this, this is kind of my curiosity. And this, this, this guy referred to as Father Xantus from everybody, or would it be weird to call him Absalar? I, it appears that as you enter, everyone is addressing him as Father Xantus. What did she call him when she said his name? Who? Mavashti. I think she just referred to him as Father Xantus. Probably. Okay. And 
Is there anyone else in the room that looks like they have some kind of authority or, you know, any kind of orders or anything like that? Or is it just him? It, he definitely seems to be the head here. As you're standing around, looking around and waiting for him to become available to talk to, one of the acolytes approaches you. Uh, yes. Uh, have you come to make an offering at one of the shrines? No. Do come in, come in. Uh, oh, no? I wish to speak to Xanthus. Oh, oh. The, the father is busy right now with preparations. Uh, can you come back at another time? I cannot. Or do you seek spiritual guidance that is most urgent? It's a pressing matter. I must speak to him now. Uh, how may I help? By fetching the priest. It, she stands there for a couple moments and blinks, processing... Very well, then. And she turns and slowly walks to the father. Says a few words to him, gestures your way. and He makes a few more remarks to a few of the other people standing around him and then heads over towards you. Yes, uh, how may I help you? Hello there. I am sent by Madame Avashti. She is concerned. She has a uh, haunting. The beast is foul and terrifying her. She has asked me to come and get you to, uh, oh, I don't know, soothe her or, you know, exercise a demon or something. This, this is quite bizarre. Why, why would she send you and not her daughter? Oh, busy. Very busy. You know Koya, she's not, not very helpful. Not, not very helpful. She's, she's a cleric herself. Yes, but you know, she's away with it these days. The festival has her all excited. She's one of my finest, finest acolytes of Desna. I, I find it hard to believe that she would be of no use. Well, I did not say that. She's overwhelmed with the festival. And I am not? Look around. She just looks at him blankly, like, and? Very well. Tell me what the issue is. A haunting. A haunting? It would appear similar, at least. And it appears to be a child that also likes to play with other children. A child that plays with children. He furrows his brow and looks down, deep in contemplation. Hmm. Obviously, nobody wants that to be... At Madame Mavashti's, you say? Yes. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Well, if there is such a thing loose in the town with the festival tomorrow... But, yeah, you were saying something? Oh, yes. Loose is probably not the correct term. If this apparition is at Madame Mavasti's, then that's right next door to the the orphanage. And uh, the ghost of a child would probably have originated there and won't travel far from that location, would be my guess. 
if I'm correct, I think this entity would be a creature known as an Attic Whisperer. Mostly harmless creatures, but undead nonetheless. Very hard to get rid of. Even if you successfully vanquish them, they can easily, with their tenacious will to be loved, reform after several centuries. It could take decades for a child to reform and or, or be formed at all from this. Uh, again, if I'm correct in what this is, they're usually born of forgotten, abandoned, and neglected children that waste away such sad existences. Their driving wish that causes them to return to the land of the living is that very thing that caused them to die, that neglect. They seek out human contact and attempt to gain the love and affection and attention that they were denied in life. Such tragic, tragic stories. Ah, but if it is this, then it can wait. They're relatively harmless. As long as you don't provoke them. You've not provoked it, have you? Of course not. He squints at you. Certainly. What would you say, uh, van- vanquish? What precisely do you mean? Well, purify. Uh, destroy the, the body of... Break the essence around. Ghosts are notoriously difficult to defeat, as are any haunt. Mm. Their incorporeal nature. Yes. Uh, sprinkling a little holy water around and reciting a few chants. Though that's the superstition of how it works, it's far from it. Uh, you, you need the godly powers channeled into the, the space... And only through such sturdy prayers of the righteous can things truly be cleansed. And even then, some of these haunts are more powerful than those attempting to defeat them. You mentioned the orphanage. I did. You mentioned the children do not leave the orphanage. Then why is it in Manmavashti's attic? Oh, it, the children leave the orphanage. They play in the streets and the market often. Uh, the Turndark Academy, while also an orphanage, is primarily the school. No, the dead one. Oh. So sad. What about it? You said they do not leave, generally, where they die or, or whatever. It's in her attic. N- most apparitions or haunts are tied to a physical location. Very few of them wander around, and those that do wander are quite dangerous. Now, if if this entity is manifested near the the academy, then it was likely formed there, or died there, more or less. Or in one of the nearby houses. And what do you know of Madame Avashti? I don't think she has anything to do with anything for this. It just happened to wander in. Perhaps you looked like a jovial person to this spirit. (laughs) I doubt that. Yes, <laughs> Do you have any recommendations of persons better fit than yourself to uh, aid us with this issue? Yeah, I, I unfortunately do not. 
You, you can attempt to take care of it yourselves if you wish, but I would advise against it. Perhaps we should wait until the father can be free after the festival. He, he nods. A wise decision, I think. He as much said he is not helpful. He's given us enough to identify what it is, if he's right. Certainly the description matches. Yes, a description. Let's see, if I recall my lessons correctly, it will be about the size of a child and composed of random things that are collected together, old skeletal remains of animals, rags, and forgotten toys and the like, all covered in dust and cobweb and whatnot from years of neglect themselves. Forgotten toys like dolls? Possibly. Uh, an old ball, perhaps. Marcus looks significantly at Tari. Yeah, she nods. Is, is that the doll there? And he points at Marana's doll. No, that is mine. He looks down at it and looks up at you and blinks a few times. Okay. She offers no further explanation. He asks for none. Good. Thank you, Father. Well, you have been extremely helpful, and you are no doubt extremely busy. So I think it best if we take up no more of your time. And that's half directed at him, half directed at Tarry. He nods, thank you. And then he turns to walk away. And then turns back after a couple steps. Was there anything further you needed, or was, was that the entirety of your concerns to come here today? Well, there is something I could probably have a discussion with you for a brief moment uh, pertaining to the address for the festival. Oh. I was asked by the mayor to attempt to persuade someone into giving it, and I have been stymied at every turn in attempting to secure someone to give it. <laughs> Let me guess. Kajitsu? Yes. <laughs> Not surprised. Both the father and the daughter. Even getting the stained glass for the windows was a trial from him. Had it not been insurances that the gods would bless him for his donation, he likely would have charged us. He did try to charge us. Hmm. For a moment there, I thought the same tax might work for getting him to give the address, but from the sounds of it, probably not. He shakes his head. No, <laughs> no, probably not. Well, is there anyone else that you can think of to try to have do it then? The mayor seemed dead set on having one given. Uh, I'll find a replacement. There's one more thing to do. Thank you for letting me know he will not be available. Yeah, I will spare you the details of our conversation. Suffice to say, he did not endear himself to me. Oh, did you not find the man pleasant? He smirks a little. Far, far from it. But if you wish to handle it, then good luck to you. I apologize for having to bring another thing into 
your list. No, no, thank you. It's good information to have. Sooner than later, for sure. Although, the madam did raise an excellent point. I had also attempted to talk to her about it because Amico suggested that she served as something of a heart for the town. Mm. Yes. And her suggestion basically boiled down to why bother with an address, just let people enjoy the festival. That That is a good, good point. However, any festival also has festivities, but all festivities are around a core nucleus of some sort of pomp and circumstance, some tradition. And without that tradition firmly established, the festivities could be for anything at any time, and there would be no structure to it. There'd be no reason for the festivities. Okay, out of character the whole time he was saying that I just heard uh, tradition from, I think it was Fiddler on the Roof in my head. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, good lord. Okay, no problem. We're going to leave now. That's <laughs> mm. uh, like five minutes ago. Yeah, Terry probably smiled at him with this really uncomfortable-looking smile. It's, it's an attempt at being pleasant, and then she leaves. Morana just smiles with that wide-eyed, innocent look and turns to leave. Emphasis on innocent. Then Warren gets up from praying and follows out. He goes back to his business as you guys all leave. So with that concluded, as you're exiting the building, what are your plans now? I'm going to the white deer, let's call Yeah, the original plan for me and Deadeye. The, the tavern. Okay. Do you begin heading that direction immediately, or do you stop and address the rest as you do leave? Yeah, pretty much. Just told them and say, I'm going to go get a place to stay. Yeah, maybe we'll see you later. Uh, we're just going to head to White Deer Inn and, uh, and uh, you know, get some rest and wash up. Get you all right. Just won't wave at him. Ah, good luck getting the room. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully they have one. Oh, I'm sure they probably still have at least a room left. Just... Yeah. The, the proprietor is an interesting person. Thanks for the warning. It's really that hard to find a room right now? Apparently it is. The festival in town. Everyone's... I mean, I... If people are really that hard up, I could probably set aside some space. I, I do live in town. Well, that would be very appreciated, yes. That would definitely be great. It's not the best place, but there's probably room. Oh, I've never been worse. I'm sure. Thank you for the offer, but I've already got a room, so... But I will remember that for the future. And I suspect Tari enjoys sleeping with the ghost. <laughs> Some people do. It takes all kinds. By that I think you mean I already have board. That too, yes. I spend a time with ghosts. What night's enough for me? Whereabouts are you all living quarters? Morana, was it? 
Uh, over off Junker's Way. Points due west of the chapel. I may visit later. I have business first. Just shrugs, as you will. Oh, yes, I really ought to get going myself. I have plans for the rest of today. I shall see, I imagine, most if not all of you at the festival tomorrow then? Yeah. yeah. See you later, Marcus. I have no better plans. I shall probably be there. Terry shrugs. Well, if you say you don't place to stay, Lizzie, I would like to uh, at least set down my stuff I've been carrying all day. Yes, that's fine. All right. As you all disperse to go about your ways, Tori, you are headed to go do some stuff at the orphanage to gather some toys and, and blankets or something and put those in the room. When you leave the room, because I take it you're not staying there tonight, where do you plan on going to stay? Marana's probably. Okay. So other than uh, Tori crashing at Marana's, everything was left pretty well established at the end of leaving the cathedral. You all have a very peaceful night, considering. The next morning, for five years, the faithful of Sandpoint had attended church in temporary structures erected after fire destroyed the previous temple. And while their new religious leader was helpful, kind, and wise, church wasn't quite the same. Now, the new cathedral is finally done, all that remains is for the Swallowtail Festival to renew the site's blessing from the gods, and it will be as if Sandpoint Fire had never occurred. The Swallowtail Festival begins promptly, as scheduled, on the autumn equinox. The square before the church quickly becomes crowded. As locals and travelers arrive, the several merchant tents featuring food, clothes, local crafts, and souvenirs are here to meet the guests. The turnout for the opening speeches is quite respectable, and the four keynote speakers each deliver short but well-received welcomes to the festival. Mayor Deverin's friendly attitude and excitement prove contagious as she welcomes visitors to town and jokes about how even Lazy Ravanksy, the local tanner and notorious workaholic, managed to tear himself away from the tannery to attend, much to everyone's amusement. Well, except for Lars. Sheriff Baylor Hemlock brings the crowd down a bit with his dour mood, his reminder to be safe around the evening's bonfire, and his request for a moment of silence to remember those who lost their lives in the fire that claimed the town's previous church several years ago. The next speaker was scheduled to be a local nobleman, Wanjaku Kijitsu, but a sudden illness has prevented him from attending the ceremony. Most of the locals are not surprised that Lonjaku is not here, as his well-known dislike of frivolity and festival is a keynote of his personality. In his stead, Sandpoint's own showman, Cedric Dorcas, is more than up to the challenge of bringing the crowd's mood back up with his rousing anecdotes. He delivers a not-completely-irrelevant recap of the long process the town went through to finance and construct the new cathedral. He throws it in a bit of self-promotion at the end, as is his wont, giving everyone, uh, inviting everyone to stop by the Sandpoint Theater the following evening to check out his new production of The Harpy's Curse, revealing that the lead role of Aversia, the Harpy Queen, 
will be played by none other than the famous Magnamarian diva, Alessandra. Finally, Father Xantis steps up to give a short speech thanking everyone for coming before declaring the Swallowtail Festival underway. With that, numerous games and contests take place throughout the day, including sack races, games of hide-and-seek, weightlifting challenges, balance beam contests, tug-of-war events, and the like. Feel free to take part in as many or a few of these as you wish, but there's no prizes, it's just for the fun. You meet several of the, the villagers and guests as you peruse the event, the festival. Most of them you have already met over the past several days. I think I'm going to enjoy that balancing contest. Okay. That seems interesting. Yeah, Finn Warren is also excited about this festival and everything, uh, especially when they uh, plan to release the Swallowtails. And he wants to be a part of that more than anything. Ah, you hear they plan to be released at noon. Do I know where exactly? Here at the church. Oh, yeah, at the church. Okay, I I will be at the church then. The square right in front of the church is where all these festivals are happening. Or a good number of them, at least. At noon, Father Xantus and his acolytes wheel a large covered wagon into the square. And after recounting the short parable of how Desna first fell to earth and was nursed back to health by a blind child, whom she transformed into an immortal butterfly as a reward for her aid, they pull aside the wagon's cover, releasing the thousand children of Desna, a furious storm of swallowtail butterflies that swarm into the air in a spiraling riot of color to a great cheer from the crowd. Throughout the rest of the day, children futilely chase the butterflies, never quite quick enough to catch them. Lunch is provided for free at the expense of the Sandpoint Taverns. Each brings its best dishes. Its event is as much marketing push by the taverns to win new customers as it is to feed the hungry crowd. It soon becomes apparent that the darling of lunch is once again Emiko Kajitsu, whose remarkable curry-spiced salmon and early winter-drop mead easily overshadow the other offerings, such as the hagfish's lobster chowder or the white deal's peppercorn venison. Finally, as the sun begins to set, Father Xantis takes the central podium, uses a thunderstone to attract everyone's attention, and then clears his throat as he prepares to recite the prayer of first dreaming. As the the crowd calms down and he begins to say the first few lines, suddenly a dog yelps. What kind of yelp? A sharp retort like the crack of distant thunder slices through the excited crowd as the sun-setting rays paint the western sky. A stray dog that has crawled under a nearby wagon to sleep starts awake, and the buzz of a dozen conversations quickly hushes as all heads turn towards the central podium, where a beaming Father Xantis has taken the stage. He clears his throat, takes a breath to speak, and suddenly a woman's scream slices through the air. A few moments later, another scream rises, then another. Beyond them, a sudden surge of strange new voices rises, high-pitched, tittering shrieks that sound not quite human. The crowd parts, and something low to the ground races by, giggling with a disturbing glee, 
as the stray dog gives a pained yelp and then collapses with a gurgle, its throat cut open from ear to ear. As blood pools around his head, the raucous sound of a strange song begins being chanted from shrill, scratchy voices. Goblins chew and goblins bite. Goblins cut and goblins bite. Stab the dog and cut the horse. Goblins eat and take by force. Goblins race and goblins jump. Goblins slash and goblins bump. Burn the skin, mash the head. Goblins here, you be dead. Chase the baby, catch the pup. Bunk the head to shut it up. Bones be cracked, flesh be strewed. We be goblins, you be food. And with that, we need initiative. Oh, shit. (laughs) I figured that was coming. I hate them. I hate them so much. It's just goblins. It's just my two dogs are just sitting here nice and cute beside me asleep. And I'm like, you fucking what? Slit ear to ear. All right, go ahead and position yourselves where you think you were standing. The central podium is where Father Xantis was at, which is right in front of where you all are. You would have been more on the other side of it with the rest of the crowd. I would have been front and center. <laughs> so I would be pretty far back. Yeah, I'd be. Morana would probably be somewhere off in the corner. Probably be right there. All right. So you've made your initiative checks. I now need perception checks. Okay. So Finwarren and Deadeye, you are the only two that don't notice this. The rest of you, notice the little shape that raced through the crowd and killed the dog. A single goblin licking the blood from its dog slicer as it looks excitedly about the crowd, seeking out its next target. The song, a nameless goblin rhyme, performed by several goblins throughout the area, sounds like the crowd is surrounded by goblins. Can we see where this other this goblin is? The lone goblin? Mm-hmm. Certainly. He is under that cart, right by you. Great. As the crowd shrieks and begins fleeing in all directions, other goblins appear. And I need initiatives for them. Yo, guys, maybe they're friendly goblins. Sure, go talk to them. <laughs> All right. Marana, you were the first to react to this scene. People are running in all directions. The crowd causes this area to be difficult terrain for now. I'll let you know when that changes. All right. So that would mean I could move 15, which would take me to here. And he'd still be out of range. They'd still be out of range. Alright, well. I'll move there and hold my standard unless anything comes within 25 feet. Alright. Deadeye, you are next. Good deed. I will move there. I will pull out my gun. And I will load a chemical cartridge. All right. Do you have a fast reload? I do. Okay. And then I will put on my 
fire attack at uh, this guy. Okay. 20. 20 hits. This little goblin had hopped up on top of this food cart, slashing at people as they ran by, and you, you fire into this thing and, and spin it around, catching it right in the shoulder. It, it falls off the cart, but it seems still alive. There's a big puff of white smoke around me. Yeah. I'm sure everybody heard that. Like, Oh, yeah, the thunder from the fire, the, the discharge, caused... You know, even more panic, if it was even possible at this moment. (laughs) The crowd running scared already is now even more startled. That's well, my turn. All right. Goblin number two, which is the one you just shot, makes a charge for you, screaming and waving his dog slicer in the air. Does an 11 hit you? I don't believe it does. It does not. Sweet. All right. Finn Warren. Yep. Well, I just saw Deadeye shooting this goblin and seeing how he just ran up to him and started wailing on him. I cast magic missile on the goblin. All right. Go ahead and roll that damage. Three points of force damage to the goblin. Your magic missile flies out of your fingertips and hits it square in the back of the head, knocking it dead. Nice. Goblin three here. It runs all the way over here and jumps up onto this stage. Looks like it's coming for you, Finn Warren. Oh. Tari, it is your turn. Yeah, so I can reach this guy, yeah? Yep. Cool. Well, then I'm going to attack said goblin with the switch scythe. All right. I should probably have to move to him as well. To be in range, I assume. Yes, it is not a reach weapon. Yeah. All right, a 15 misses. Shit. He's kind of awkwardly under the cart, and as you try to swing under to hit him, you just barely miss. He laughs at you. Marcus, you're in the middle of the group. What would you like to do? Does the crowd look like it's... As people are running away, obviously there's a lot of screaming and panicking. Does it look like they're having problems? Or are people just... It's just the panic running and people getting out of the way. Or are they actually running into obstacles like more goblins, etc.? It's hard to tell. As you're trying to find out, you, you see fires start happening in the distance. Smoke's rising up. Screams are happening in the distance. Yeah, okay. In terms of buildings with sturdy construction and the like, the cathedral obviously stands out. Are there any others nearby that do? The next closest sturdy building would be the garrison as it is also completely built from stone, as is the glass works. I'm assuming they're a fair distance away. Yeah, about a city block, standard city block or so. Yeah, Marcus is going to yell to the people, if you need safety, head for the church. And 
Yeah, he's going to push through the crowds to stand close with Fenoir and... Yeah, that's going to be it for now. All right. The little goblin underneath the cart lunges at you, Tori. Of course it does. It definitely does. That is a crit chance, but not a confirmation. He, he sinks the dog slicer deep into your flesh, dealing three points of damage. It's all right. Cackles with glee. Marana, back to you. So it's still difficult terrain? It is. It's starting to clear out. Huh. Think maybe another couple moments and you'll be able to move freely. All right, the- all right, that's fine. We're going to move right here. And Tari seems to be having a little trouble with that one, so Marana's going to look at it really hard for a minute. Okay. And that is a will save? Correct. Target 15. <laughs> this is going to be good. That's going to be a minus 2 AC. All right. Anything else? Uh, that's a move and a standard, so nope. Okay. Deadeye. All right, I was muted. All right, let's see. I will move 10 feet closer. I will grab another alchemical cartridge and fire at this guy. All right. 24 hits true. Three damage to the little beast. He does not seem to enjoy that. Okay, imagine. Uh, that's it. That's what I got. All right. Finn Warren, it's up to you. All right. So I'll move over here. And I will cast another magic missile on Goblin 3 right there on the stage. All right. Let it fly. Okay. Magic words are said. Gestures are performed. A... Missile of force flies from your fingertips and strikes the goblin. He falls back and then jumps to his feet. Damn goblin. That's it for me. Yep. The little goblin runs to the end of the stage and then does a flying leap right at Marcus. He misjudged where the edge was to do the leap from and does more of a fall instead. Tori. I'm going to take another swing with my scythe. You do catch him. What the fuck? You you sweep his leg. Sweep the leg, Johnny. (laughs) Marcus. There there is a goblin lying face down in front of you. He's still moving. Okay. Draw a dagger, I guess. And try and sort of like fend it off and... Stop it. Okay. 14 will actually hit because he is prone. You deal one point of damage, which was all it had remaining. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's so embarrassing. It fell over and then got one HP knocked off. You you stab it in its back and it gurgles its last breath. Goblin 1, squaring off with Tori. Swings his slicer at you as you've kind of knocked him to the side. Misses 
and then he retreats to the other side of the the cart that you're swinging under to get him. <laughs> Running away like a bitch. Marana. Uh, let me see here. Let me move. And... Yeah, we're going to cast Daze at him. That's a will save with, I believe, a target of 14. You little pecker. He seems unfazed. Deadeye. It's back to you. It is, it is. Is the crowd still thick and They're thinning out. It's almost clear here. It's no longer difficult terrain. There's still some people around, but for the most part, this square has emptied. Oh, good. Okay. I'll fire it. But it will spend a good point for Deadeye. This won't be a good touch. Oof. Alright. Yeah, you, you fire off and, and the shot goes high. Done. That's it. Finn Warren, it is your turn. Okay. Move up there. Um, what are my options for for spells? I I've used up my two level one spells now. Then you have your cantrips remaining. You can cast your cantrips as many times per day as you want. I don't know if you took any that have damage output potential, such as acid splash or ray of frost or the like no no all right do you have a quarter staff <laughs> that you can use to bludgeon them to death with yes i do that would be your option then muscle wizard cast staff <laughs> yeah or oh, for more typical wizards crossbow and keep it at a distance also an option. Finwarren will quickly learn the rigors of combat and how to deal with them through trial and failure. <laughs> Go get him, Louie. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bookish types tend to learn fast. <laughs> Can I brace myself here in case it just comes wailing at me? Yeah, that is taking the defensive stance. I will do that for now. Then. All right. That will give you a plus two to your AC. Good. I'm out of magic missiles. Quick, turtle! <laughs> <laughs> Runs away. Tauri. Yeah, I'm gonna just follow this dude. And I'm gonna take another swing at him with my sight. And hope to God I don't fucking miss. And the trend stays alive. Yep. <laughs> As you swing the scythe, you catch part of the cart and it throws your angle off. Marcus, you look around. There appears to only be one goblin remaining, and it's just taunting Tori. <laughs> yeah, okay. Are the. I take it the people have emptied out of the square? Yes. 
you can still see them. They're close enough where, like, they're you can see where they're going. They're fleeing down the streets and whatnot into alleys, ducking into homes left and right. Yeah, are there any people that didn't actually make it? It doesn't look like it here. Any any that got injured in the square? No, other than the dog, it doesn't look like anyone's been injured. There's a few trails of blood, but no full casualties. No, no one laying in the street. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, uh, Marcus is going to move to get a decent vantage point to see if he can actually get a better view of stuff that's going on further away. So, moving up onto onto the platform. All right. This little goblin, this tenacious little beastie, is going to try to stab you again. I hope he trips. He does not trip. And he does hit you. Yep. You will deal another six points of damage as he slashes you right across the thigh. This is fine. It's totally planned. It's fine. All right, Marana. Marana is going to walk up behind Tari and gently poke her in the back and heal her for six and say, if you'd like to kill it now, all right, dead eye. So, can I shoot past them all? Yeah, you can shoot around your allies. <laughs> this creature is in melee, and shooting into melee is a negative four penalty. Okay. Which? Because you're trying not to hit. Which for you works out to a negative target. two because it's got an AC penalty. Boys. Correct. Uh, you're also within your range increment, so you'll be firing against its touch. Catch. Yep, so I so. will use another cartridge. Yep. And I will reload and fire. Well, you'll duck. So, 18. All right. It, you yell duck, and the other two spin and look at you briefly. Tari kind of knowing you instinctively ducks out of the way as she looks back. The goblin, not knowing what's going on, jumps up to see what the noise was, and you shoot it right in the face. Ooh. Excellent. It falls down dead. The most depressing combat section for me ever. (laughs) It it could have gone better. (laughs) Okay, I think that's it. As your skirmish comes to a, for Tari, depressing end. You look around and you you notice that goblins have set a point, Sandpoint, in mass. All of Sandpoint is engulfed in chaos. Goblins are racing across everywhere, running amok, singing and slashing indiscriminately, running along rooftops, through the streets and alleyways. They're everywhere. A sudden bloom of fire from a nearby unattended wagon grabs your attention. A group of goblins have found the cart full of fuel for the sunset bonfire just south of the festival grounds and has lit it on fire. 
you can hear even this far away. They're cackling and shrieking. Morana looks at her doll and says, What hitting was a bit on the nose, wasn't it? Wow. Looks like trouble came to the festival after all. Shall we? And Marcus will gesture towards the fire. The fire? We gotta help these people. Let's go. Yes, we do. A very sullen Terry follows you all. Morana shrugs and follows. All right. No need to change initiative order. <laughs> of course there's more. Wave number two. Can you turn off the clear rigging that is attached to my rolls? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. You, you did not properly appease RN Jesus. This, this is not the GM's <laughs> fault. The one time nihilism has bitten me in the ass, you know? <laughs> I'm definitely will we loaded, by the way. The one time you're aware of. Oh, silent tears. But does it really matter? <laughs> Sigh. I mean, you're the one who brought up nihilism. <laughs> I'm just going to pull these guys down. Has the crowd cleared yet? Yes. Yay. Which is why you can clearly see what's going on. Not that the crowd was really impeding me in any way whatsoever. Uh, no. Nope, your, your only impediment was yourself. <laughs> Truth. In true nihilistic fashion. <laughs> A single tear. <laughs> Marana, <laughs> you are first. <laughs> As you race down, you, you can see that they're shrieking in delight as they attack. Yep. They've not only armed themselves with burning torches, but also have the support of a war chanter, a goblin singing and whipping the fellow goblins into furious shrieking frenzies through some sort of weird goblin-esque bardic performance. Well, that just seems like a priority target. That's my move. I'm going to hold my standard in case somebody comes with some one of them comes within thirty feet. Okay, uh, dead eye. Is there such a thing as a dash? Yes, it's a double movement. It's your full turn, but you'll instead of going twenty-five, move up to fifty. Yeah, I think I'll do that. I will go to there. Yeah, that's my turn. All right. Goblin number one in his excitement for fire gets some of the oil for the bonfire on him and begins flailing about as he's lit himself on fire. The rest of the goblins are just pointing and laughing as he burns to death. Hashtag just goblin names. <laughs> Finwar. Yes. It is your turn. I will move over here. And then I take aim at the goblin chanter with my crossbow. All right. I believe your crossbow has a range of 60 feet. You should be right in range, if not just at the edge of. It has 80 feet. 80 feet. Good, because it was 65 feet away. So you're at no penalty to fire at this thing. Cool. Ouch. You let your bolt fly, and it hits right into the side of the burning cart. 
Atari. Okay, so you said dash is what, double movement? Yes. And it takes your full turn. Yeah, it's your move and standard in that case. Uh, the way Pathfinder works, you can always trade a higher action for a lower version. So you're trading your standard for a second move. You can always trade a move for a swift and so on. So I'm going to put away the switch scythe. Standard. Which is the, yeah. Yep. And that would mean that I can just move, yeah? Yep. Yeah, so 20. So I'm just going to move to here. Okay. That's that. Marcus, it is you. Move to the edge of the platform and start humming a tune as casting a spell. Ah. And the sounds of the lullaby get carried by the breeze towards the goblins. All right. Now that is a 10-foot area. Yeah. All right. So I get to make three will saves now. Two goblin pyros and one goblin war chanter. Is this a charm? I believe it is. Uh, It's a compulsion. Not a charm. Not actually a charm, just compulsion. All right. Mind affecting, obviously, but yeah. Yep. All right. For the two pyros, they both fail and fall asleep at the foot of the the burning cart. The war chanter also fails his save and slumps back onto the ground which takes us past all of their turns. That's a nice one. <laughs> nice. It's a nice spell, yeah. To Marana. Um, and Marana is on your back. Hmm. No, anything I could do really requires me to be far closer, so... Hmm. You're not going to use it to double move? Yeah, I, I, I guess I can. Yeah, sure. Just in case they manage to wake up. All right. Did I? Well, I guess I'll do my movement. Yeah, we there. Now, if you move to this side of the cart, they're going to have cover because they're on the ground, prone behind it. Right. So, I'll go here instead. All right. You got a pretty good shot on this one. Yeah, I do. Now, they are prone. Mm-hmm. A prone creature gets a plus four bonus to their AC against ranged attacks. It's the opposite when it's a melee, which is why Marcus had an easy time stabbing yeah. that one. Right, so I think I'll always standard to fire if I get up. You'll hold it? Yeah. Okay. Finn Warren. Yes. I shall move down here. And I will take a defensive stance in case they wake up and wail on us. Okay. Tori. Okay. And I'm miles away from anybody to attack them, so, like, <laughs> it doesn't true. even affect me. It's fine. Yeah, so I'm just going to use my double movement to move, and that's it. Right. Marcus, back to you. 
In contrast to the other people, Marcus is going to be keeping an eye out for other signs of trouble. Other groups of goblins, other signs that they're, they're setting stuff on fire in the immediate vicinity, etc. All right, as you look around, you see a goblin leap off of a roof in an attempt to land on a hapless victim below them, but miss and break their neck on the landing instead. Jesus. Another one throws a lit torch at a fleeing mother, only to have it land on another goblin and light that goblin on fire. And they then run into a house and the house catches on fire. Stuff like this is happening all over the place. It is utter madness. Okay, but he's going to be deliberately keeping watch for anything coming in this general direction. All right. The goblins are still asleep. Marana. Um, Marana doesn't really have any of what you would call weapons, so hold action in case they wake up. Okay. Deadeye. I'm going to uh, say, do we want to tie these up? Will anybody have rope? Or seven? Or do we just kill them? They're goblins. They're not worth interrogating. You can't really put them in a prison. Just put them out of our misery. Yeah. I'm going to aim with the nearest one and shoot it. Aim it with, with a penalty. Okay. All right. It, you shoot this goblin. It flinches as it takes the hit, and then it wakes up. Yes, as it wakes up, it needs to make a will save because I'm going to look angrily at it. Okay. That's a minus two to AC. Okay. This one is no longer asleep. And I will then reload. But has lost armor. Reload with uh, regular ammo. Okay. Because that's easier to make. Finn Warren. Yes. It is your turn. Technically, it's also prone. The goblin that got shot is still prone? Yes. Okay. It is just awake. Well, I'll move down here. And I will shoot the newly awakened goblin with, a, with my crossbow again. All right. Right. You do hit. Ooh. Roll damage. Okay. It bounces off the ground right into its ribs. How about that? Yeah. Doing it Rainbow Six Siege style. Three damage. Three damage. Okay. Towery. Still miles away. Continue your, your journey. <laughs> yeah, you just play the Fellowship of the Ring music. Um... So, which one has the the negative effect on its AC? That one. So, what is it on now? Like, what is it? It's minus... It was on plus four. Yeah, now it's a plus two. Okay, sweet. I mean, I'm still going to miss, but it's fine. So, I'm going to take out my composite longbow. And I'm going to shoot at it. One hopes. And your arrow flies high. Ooh. Sticking into the roof of this building just south. Naturally. Marcus. If you want to kill them, don't shoot them. Walk up and slit their throats. 
And he'll continue keeping watch. Okay. As you're looking around now, you see an elven woman jump on top of a roof off to the west. And she just starts unloading arrows at goblins all over the place. Excellent. Goblin 2 will jump to his feet and then come over here to stab at Deadeye. Of course. Isn't standing up a move action? It is. He cannot actually stab. He just moves over there to ah, stab. Okay. Well, In the process of getting up, he does kick this one. Of course he did. Yeah. However, it does not wake him up. Ooh. Marana. All right, let's see here. Just twiddles her thumbs. So I'm going to move here. This is touch. They can do fortitude or will. He's going to reach out and just poke the goblin and chill touch. Oh, it's fortitude first. It says fortitude partial or will negates. That would be a... two saves, I think. The will, I believe, is for undead. Oh, okay, right, right, right. That spell is one of my favorites. I know it well. It's going to be a 10, 11, 15 for the save. Okay. You bastard. So that's... Uh, So partial, I take the cold damage, but do not take the strength drain. So four cold damage. You you see a chill, a, a, a frost, a bit of rime coat the goblin as it falls over. She pulls her finger back, kind of blows on it to warm her fingertips back up. God, it's cold. It wasn't. Deadeye. So, question. Yes. Is a coup de gras a full round action? It is. Alright, then in that case, I will simply move over to this guy and end my turn. Alright. Finn Warren. Yes. Let's see. I will move over here. Right there. And I smack the goblin with my quarter staff. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Hmm? What is it that I... I just got a better idea. I'm listening. I'm just gonna spit his throat. I'll be faster. Okay. Alright. Alright, so the other goblin war chanter has plus four AC as well, right? Only against ranged. Ranged, yeah. Can't move anymore, so... Ready a strike in case the goblin wakes up? I'll do that, yeah. Okay. Tori. Okay. So you can get movement and a standard action, yeah? Yep. Sweet. So I'm going to move my 20 feet to here. And I'm going to use... One of my blessings. You've almost caught up to the group. I'm just, at this point, completely resound to the fact that today is not my day. <laughs> and I think that's all I can do when I cast that on my bow. Okay. Marcus. I will continue keeping watch. Okay. Far to the south, you, you can hear a lot of commotion. It sounds like a lot of the attacks 
that were going on in this area have died down, mostly been taken care of. It seems like the goblin horde is retreating. Morana. All right. Let's just move down here. Do they have to be awake for me to look angrily at them? No. All right. Eh, we'll look angrily at the one close that they're standing next to. Same negative. Nope. That's the closest I've been. It is. I was nervous for a second. I had to do math in my head. I was like, wait, did a sleeping goblin just beat that? <laughs> that's that's illegal. <laughs> Dead eye. I will grab my rapier and attempt it cootie girl. Okay. Which I believe is an automatic crit, right? It is. Do you have a plus one base attack bonus? I do. Cool. So I guess I will roll... So it's the damage twice, right? Um, oh, damage times multiplier. Times the multiplayer, which is for a rapier times two. So you roll and have all your bonuses twice. Oh, yeah, bonuses. Plus that. Okay. The second one is a crit. It's auto-rolling the damage if you make the crit. So the first number is the one you actually look at. Ooh. So it's three. Yeah. That was my turn. All right. Finn Warren, you get your ready to action to fire as Deadeye stabs this thing. It wakes up. You, you were prepared for this. Yeah. Go ahead and smack it in the face with your quarterstaff. All right. Or attempt to, rather. Ooh. Uh, roll to confirm a crit. Is that 1d20 again? Yes. Oh. All right. It is not confirmed, but you do hit. So go ahead and give your normal damage output. Okay. You give it a quick smack. And now it is your turn. Yeah, uh, same of that recipe. Yeah, <laughs> smack it again. Rinse, rinse and repeat. Oh. All right. In your in your haste to hit it multiple times, yep. you miss. Towery. Okay, so I'm assuming this black stuff on the map is basically where I can't see. Fog of war, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And if I'm going to move, say, to... If I'm going to move to here, I can't because there's stuff here. Yes, you will have to go around it. That looks like a table where they were preparing meals and stuff. Or selling weapons, one or the other. I mean, she could she try, like, an acrobatics or athletics or something to get over it? Could. What... That be not an action though, because that would mean I wouldn't be able to move and fire. Uh, you could do that as part of your move action. Okay, well I'm gonna try that then. All right, give me an yeah. acrobat. I was gonna say you also risk landing flat on your face if you do that. <laughs> uh-huh. Look, at least I'll have done something. <laughs> Fair enough. Like anything, literally anything. Anyway, so it's an acrobatics. You say yes. Just that on its own. Yep. All right. That is enough. 
to get around this this obstacle and essentially go through it without slowing you down. Great. Great. And can I shoot now? Yes. Sweet. Not that there's anything left to shoot. Yeah, I suppose I'll aim for... Both of them are technically prone from here, yeah? Yep. Or in cover. And yes. But I shouldn't take any penalties on that because of the blessing. Right? The range penalties. True. No range penalties. The one on the left stood up, didn't it? It's, It's awake. It just hasn't stood. Fair enough. Well, I'm gonna shoot at this one. Okay. <laughs> Can you hear the resignation in my voice? I feel sorry for you. I'm glad it missed, to be honest. What? <laughs> when, when your party turns against you. I, well, I knew it wasn't going to hit him anyway. <laughs> no, sorry, but when you're shooting the one goblin that's still asleep. No, they said he wasn't asleep. No, the one on the, the right is still asleep. It's the one on the left. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to hit him today anyway. Clearly today is, like, just shit roll day. (laughs) Genuinely really upset when fucking Finn Warren rolled a 20. I was like, are you kidding me? The non-fighter. Hey, I'm a fighter. With a a bow. Physical. (laughs) Miss it. No, but, like, you hit it, like, as a last, you know, last (laughs) opportunity with your stick. I was swinging a fucking scythe and I missed like three times. You would have hated my alchemist in the last campaign. Man. All right, Marcus, <laughs> it's on you. Just need to mop up these two. I believe in you guys. Well, yeah, not me. Wow. You don't believe in me. <laughs> believe in everybody else. I believe in your potential. That's so diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> if they weren't here, I would be dead by now. Potentially, potential. <laughs> I take it the Goblin Horde is still showing signs of retreating. Yes. There's still pockets here and there. Okay. Is there anyone nearby who who looks like they've been involved in the action and, and is injured in any way? Uh, Tauri. Oh, is Tauri still <laughs> wounded? Is it about like two or something? Oh, uh, yeah, and all the civilians cleared out. Okay. Getting down from the platform. Can I just count it as difficult terrain and take an extra square to get down safely without having to do acrobatics or whatever? Yeah. Okay, Marcus will... Seeing that Harry's wounded, Marcus will walk up. Here, this should help. Out of character, will it though? Like, will it? It'll make you feel better. No, it won't. <laughs> uh, six points of healing, so... All right. So this little goblin here that you guys did not manage to put out of its misery is going to attempt to cut Deadeye. Is he going to stand up first? No. Okay. He's going to flail about while on his back and slash at Deadeye. Amazingly, mechanically, you take no penalties for doing this. <laughs> wow. Because it makes sense. <laughs> Oof. That's an actual Oh my god. Let's see if that confirms. <laughs> There's your lesson, Tori. You just need to roll around on the ground to stab things. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take hey, intense Clint. disadvantage. Oh, man. Uh, crit confirmed. Yay. Welp. Lesson learned, Tori. Lesson learned. Oh. <laughs> uh, two D four. Ouch. Plus four. Ooh. Nine points of damage Ooh, to you, did I? As this little little guy slashes you with his dog slicer, the the serrations of it biting into your flesh and just catching it just right and raking off more than you thought it was going to. Ow. You got ball patches now. Marana. Cast days on that goblin. Just stop that. It's a 14 will save. Yep. It, he shivers. Deadeye, your turn. What does days do? If he gets another turn, he gets no action. That's handy. Oh, it's handy. handy. If I fire, what kind of melee was the penalty? Well, considering you're the one in melee, nothing. Okay. Normally, firing a gun in melee, you being the one in melee, would provoke an attack of opportunity. However, this thing's dazed. Oh, good. Then I will buy. Grab my gun again, shoot it. Would you just die? And it does. Oh, good. And then I will reload. All right. As a swift action. Finn Warren. Yep. The goblin in front of you has splattered. He has ceased to be. <laughs> An old musket handgun being fired into its face from point blank. Those balls did a lot of damage. And I'm splattered now with blood. Goblin blood. Indeed. Yeah. Mmm. Yummy. Just adds to the blood you already have all over you. Uh, well, I'll, uh, I guess I'll walk up to the war chanter. I'll just ask the, the dead eye Morana that are standing around me, should I sneak up on the other goblin there and whack him? I mean, it needs to die. It does, yeah. Then I move up. Time for another quarterstaff. Get the crit. That does hit. Okay. How high on the damage? And a five. All right. Tari. Should we just skip my turn? <laughs> ah, shoot it. <laughs> Come on. Come on, oh, I'm going to move to here. And I'm going to fire another arrow. All right. At the only remaining ones. I was about to say, if you rolled a one and shot Finwar and I'd have fucking died. At least I'd have hit something. <laughs> I would have been happy. <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> I step over here and reach out a hand to Deadeye and with a slight breeze. Four points of healing. This cart you're all gathered around is on fire. It is very warm. It is all oil and wood burn. It You've been standing next to it for about twenty seconds now. You're starting to feel the heat. Significantly, yeah. 
Okay, this little goblin here. You, you've woken him up. He will reach out a hand and, and tap your ankle. Finwarin. Okay. As he says some words you don't quite understand. Give me a will save. Okay. Oh, no. What languages do goblins speak? Goblin. Just just goblin, fair enough. Spellcraft to determine what that was that we just got cast? Sure. <laughs> It'll be very apparent as it affects well. Finn Warren. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, Finn Warren, you collapse to the ground in riotous laughter. Oh, no. Marcus... Oh. You identify hideous. Oh, man. God. Oh, really? I thought the DC was higher than that. Morana actually face palms. <laughs> the goblin then stands. <laughs> Morana. No, no, no. There'll be none of that. Days. Uh, is days a charm? It is compulsion. Little guy gets bonuses against charms. Just compulsion. Okay. You lucky little bastard. <laughs> Morana scowls and looks supremely irritated. Looks at her doll. Do you believe this shit? Deadeye. <laughs> Finn Warren's rolling on the ground, laughing his head off. I'm gonna move a little bit away from the car because it's getting a little warm. And then I will point my gun at him and fire at him. Alright. Fire at the goblin horse. 17. Okay, it's, you catch its center mass. It flies back against the side of the chapel and expires. Ooh. Good. I blow on the, on the barrel. Give it the gun is better than holster it. That's all the time we have for now. To learn more about the show, the cast, etc., head over to wayward-expeditions.com. <laughs>